0: have a fancy tool like a land check or an artist are available to me and that's it that's all I need but that's not true right you know you need money for lawyers you need money for civils and you need money for you know contracts and you need money for a lot of these things when you're basically going into due diligence, you know, getting the you know basic plans done or massing diagrams or land surveys, you know, giving you a draft cost, for example. And so when you're presenting this deal um, to a developer or to someone to basically take it away, you want to empower them with all the information possible, right? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today's podcast is all about the world of property options. Now, before I go into a lot more detail, let me introduce my co host today, Melissa from Moss Rush Property. Melissa, how are you today? I'm great. Moss, how are you doing today? I am awesome, brother. Thank you for becoming part of the podcast or Help Me Buy Property podcast today. Let's kick off. So I am excited about this podcast because option contracts is something that has never worked for me in itself. And and we have had so many chats in relation to the option contracts and how, you know, they basically work in today's time and world. Where I want to today start is basically take a step back and basically start off with who were you before, you
1: know, you were the option contract
0: expert. You know, let's start off the young Melissa story.
1: Okay. So, we, originally, I come from Zimbabwe. So, I come from a great family, mother and father. I've got four siblings all together. So, we moved here in 2005. At the time, I was about 13, 12 years old. So, I came here very good at school. Academics, I was my kind of things. And I've always loved the construction is space, because when we were younger, we had built our own house by hand, so we'd build it slowly while living in the house. So without, yeah, with my parents would build a house slowly living in this room or we'll build another room out, and so on. So when I finished college, I did, I went for my building construction management, my class C license. And while I was doing that, I was still working in construction building swimming pools and working for other builders as well. So then I've always been in that space. And while I was studying, I came across the co option agreements through through a friend of mine, an old colleague. So I used discussing this these co option agreements, but it wasn't something that I was that familiar with. So I kinda just left on the back of my head and I kept working. And then one day later night I'm scrolling, what work were you doing,
0: Melissa? So let's open up there, you know, so were you working in the construction space, you know, building swimming pools and running your own business or were you working for someone at like that time? So- so I was working,
1: I was really a labourer at the time. So I'd work for different companies, but the longest company I worked for was CCP, Capital Country Pools in Canberra. So we used to build swimming pools, but I also used to do a lot of labouring work, a lot of steel fixing, concreting for different, yeah, for different, yeah, hardcore labor. Wow. Yes. So I quickly realized it's a lot of physical work (laughs) and it's something I don't want to be doing to my late years, you know? So I tried to go for my builder's license. And yes, as I said, in that time, I came across someone who informed me about corruption agreements, but they were using them in a different way than we're using them. But it's something that I just kept in the back of my head. So while I'm working for the swimming pool company, I'm laying in bed one night, you know, and I'm always looking for opportunities, clearly, so I start my own business. And at the time, I was also doing some vending, I was try- trying to do a vending machine business, trailer hire business at the same time. So I was only just done venturing to the business side. And scrolling later night, I come across whole options course and the, 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 the word, you know, it, 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 I went, oh, I've heard about this call options before. So I started digging deeper into it. I done a course with Mark Rolton. Uh, uh, so there was a three day bootcamp or so. And Did you meet him in person? No, 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 no. So we uh, done it online. I didn't get to meet him in person. So yeah, so i I done the course and I loved it, you know. How long ago was this? So this was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Like, so just before COVID or just during COVID? Yeah, probably just see it during COVID when it, when it was done. So this is late 2019, I believe. Yeah, it, it just lit a fire in me, mainly because it. Like when the other fellow told me about it, I sort of looked into it, but I didn't see much of it. And I it just wasn't familiar with it. There wasn't much information about it out there. So I just didn't pursue it as such. But once I learned properly about it and I got in depth with it, I went, this is beautiful. Yeah. But it, this is just an amazing tool. I could be, yeah. used. there's so many different things. And not for one thing, it can be implemented in so many different ways with so many different strategies and strategies to it. Definitely. Yep. Ultimately, when you think about an owner-occupier
0: or a person living in the house on a big piece of land, call options makes a lot more sense, you know, and the way you structure it. And we'll go into a lot more detail talking about that as well. But I again, you know, want to take a step back and, you know, you know understand, you know, what made you jump, you know, so you've done the course, you know, you have basically armed yourself with all the education but you're still working in in a really highly laborious job, and so how did that transition happen from you, you know, working in a job to you doing a course to you becoming an
1: option contract expert? So pretty much, what happened is I was looking for a way to get out of the physical work. I quickly realized it wasn't my thing. Like I, I, I could do it. But it, it was very taxing on my body and it just wasn't my thing. I'm more, I like working mentally, you know, I, yeah. not, not more physically as such. So I, when I found this, I still had a little bit of money saved up. So what I've done is I, I stopped work. I stopped work as in something that I thought if I could just... How much did you have saved? <laughs> it, it wasn't much. We're to- talking... Thousands, like you, you were talking less than 10,000. Know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but at the time, I, I was living in my mother's house. So I was living with my mother, my father. So I didn't have to pay rent. So, yeah. 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 So I, I had a bit of leeway to. Get things moving. So, yeah, quickly, when I started, you know, I, I was very great, especially into the industry. I, I didn't know many people. And I'm not, I, I, as I said, course, I was a construction guy, I wasn't selling deals and contracts. And so, all this type of stuff was completely new to me, you know. So, it, it, it took a bit of time, it took the right people coming across and helping me. So, well, so, after I've done the course, obviously, I've went, my mind just went crazy. So, I've started looking for these properties. So I started off in Canberra, looking, 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 looking. Took about eight months to get my first property, but in, in between there, I had some great people who came to help me. So I, I had a great solicitor from o, O'Connor Harris, Ruth Harris, she's in the ACT, the best when it comes to this co-option agreements. They're just amazing. Great team, great people. And so, and I've also had some mentors who were in the development industry who kind of just took me into their hands and showed me. A lot. The, the, they showed me the real life of it, you know, because when you are start,ing you you've got this optimism and you've got this invisibility of you. You kind of think everything goes the way it should, and it goes this way.
0: And that's so important, right? When you think about having the right team in place and having the right people in the network around you, you know, you talk about these A graders and people who can do an ace their, you know, grades in the in the school or in the education space. But if you don't have the right team in place, or if you don't have the right network in place, you can
1: fall short so quickly, right? Yes. So everything, everything seems straightforward in your head until you start doing it, there's obstacles coming your way, you know. And, and at that earlier stage, you sometimes you, you get to a point where you think you know it all because you're so confident and so you You just so excited. But I was lucky that for those early per- periods, still that I was a sponge. You know, I, I just I was so hungry for knowledge, and I was knocking on doors. I was literally, yeah, you know, I was chasing people for knowledge, and the and the best thing about it, not one person did not help me. So everything, wow. I, everyone I went to, helped me. There's people who helped me with my feasibilities, Actually, learning how to do feasibilities the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. learning how to do the proper research, learning where to find people for the proper research. Yeah. yeah, Learning a lot from their mistakes as well. So I was very lucky in that regard. I was very lucky. And a lot of this... The staff is
0: not taught in the courses, right? You know, they don't go to that level of detail when you talk about due diligence and no. you talk about feasibilities. You know, they basically scrape through through a lot of these things. They provide you
1: fancy tools, but they don't really show you the grunt work that goes into this, right? No, in the real world, it's a bit different. So that that's another thing that took. As I said, it took me eight months. Eight months of <laughs> no work, yeah, and hundred percent commitment. And I'm I'm talking up like six hours a day, every day. Like I would go to bed. Having a hard time falling asleep because I was so excited to wake up in the morning. To wow. That's the dedication. That is yeah. the consistency. I could not wait to wake up in the morning and do this all over gate. So, this went on for so long. And the, the crazy thing so, my very first deal I got was it wasn't the best deal. I wouldn't do it now if, at all. I wouldn't even look at it. It was a very terrible deal, but it somehow worked. Okay. But it was at the point of, uh, Spent a lot of money. I borrowed money for my mother, for my parents, for my sister, so just to keep everything going. Because a lot of things went going the right way. A lot of things went going the way I thought they should go, and I wasn't. I was much. I was chasing in some properties that didn't work because I just yeah. thought I'll find a way to make it work. I I didn't understand that this has to be very detailed. Yeah, uh, I didn't understand it's it's black and white. There's no gray yeah. areas. This, tra- that
0: you make a really important point here, right? That, you know, there is money to be spent, you know, even when you are basically scouting some of these option contracts, right? Like, a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I'll just, you know, have a fancy tool like a land check or an ARKISTAR available to me and that's it. That's all I need. But that's not true, right? You know, you need mm-hmm. money for lawyers. You need money for civils and you need money for, you know, contracts and you need money for a lot of these things when you're basically going into due diligence, you know, getting the you know, basic plans done or massing diagrams or land surveys, you know, giving you a, a draft post, for example. And so when you're presenting this deal to a developer or to someone to basically take it away, you want to empower them with all the information possible, right? Or the deal would not stack up because, you know, as you said, it's not black and white. There's a lot of still gray here yes. and it will not be comfortable.
1: Yes. So that's the one of the many mistakes I mad, made at first. I didn't account for that. But these are things you find out when you do the dwelling work. But as as I said, so at the time when the first deal came, I was already in debt. Like I, I was either I either had to go back to work and to save up enough money, get a loan, pay mm-hmm. the debts off back and do what you're talking about. Oh, I'm talking about a good let's say a good fifty, sixty thousand dollars debt at the time. Wow. Yeah. You so know it, it it was a bit of debt. So but yeah. this deal saved me. So in this deal was only under, let's say, it was on a 28 day co agreement. So yeah. it was very, quick. It very quick. But at the time, the market was was hot. Like, it felt like anything that goes on the market was selling in a week, anything. So yeah. I've got the, this property, put out under close 28 day co option agreement, try to sell it to the database or so on, which was small at the time. No one wanted it. So what I had to do is start calling real estate agents who had sold similar properties in the same areas. Yeah. Just in case I've got leftover buyers. And we had one yeah, we had one that was very kid on the property and at the end they don't want to go ahead. They were getting a bit cold. And now so now this is a Friday and this is about four thirty and the call option ends that day. And the solicitors are closed. After that there's nothing you can do. So I'm thinking, okay, so this is done. I'm guaranteed I'm gonna go back to work now because you decide to eat tonight. Yeah, tonight I'm looking for a job. And yeah, I got a call from a solicitor at about literally just after four thirty. They said, "Yeah, they've agreed. They'll sign the contract. And they'll send the chat. I couldn't believe it. So this was a fair deal. I couldn't believe it. And it was—I think it was only about thirty thousand dollars, but it gave me enough juice. Yeah. And what it done, it assured me that this works works
0: yes 100% and universe works in amazing ways right you know i i'm a strong believer that everyone gets an opportunity in their life right what tends to happen is that people have blinkers on you know and because they have blinkers on they don't look for opportunities right they are they are basically busy so much in their life that they basically bypass these opportunities. You know, I did this small test with my kid a few months ago, right? And we went for a drive and my kid has started sitting in the front seat with me, right? And so we play a lot of games with them. And so I was driving around and I said to him, how many red cars did you see? You know, we've been driving for half an hour and it's like, well, I don't know. I'm not counting. And I was like, okay, so how about you start counting how many red cars do you see? And so we drove another 15 minutes and he kept going 1, 2, 5, 8, 20. And so by that time, like 20 minutes, he had counted like 30 red cars, right? And so the lesson that I was trying to teach him was you find what you're looking for. If you're not looking for something, you would never get it, right? And so the opportunities are basically exactly that, right? You know, once you put your heart and soul and show the consistency, universe would open up and present those opportunities to you and, you know, make your life better. It's such an amazing, such a powerful story, man.
1: Yes, it's, it's crazy how, how, how things work sometimes, you know? You, you just find it so unbelievable. But, yeah. yes, so as soon, as soon as that happened, for me, it was just game over. You know, now now I really couldn't sleep. I couldn't wait until yeah. I wake up now. And at that time, I literally took time just to sort out my life and see if there's any distractions. And if yeah. that was a distraction, it was out. So everything was out. So at that time, I wasn't going out hanging out with friends, none of that. So all those things just dropped. All I... My priorities changed. Amazing. They, they changed heavily, and from then we we started going more and more. So this really was, hard into it. Yeah. So this was in the
0: ACT. So if I pivot the conversation slightly, and for the viewers and listeners, if you want to really dive deeper into this, what are really these option deeds and option contracts, and you know how? What are the these these different types of contracts that people basically go down the
1: path of when we are talking about option contracts? So. Uh, to talk about co option uh, contracts and deeds, let's start off with the normal contracts, so you can they can get a better understanding. So normally developers they like to get longer settlement periods, so they like to get a due diligence period, which gives them enough time to dig into the property, but. They might, it depends on the terms, they might lose the deposit. If it's a 10% deposit, they'll be liable for that. If it's a the settlement, they'll be liable for the 10% deposit. So with this type of properties, we rather utilize a co-option agreement. So co-option agreements give us time. So really what it's a tool that gives you time prior exchanging into a contract. So it is still legally binding, but it gives the buyer the opportunity to pull out without incurring taxes and having to pay a deposit. And so that's a call option agreement. And then there's also a put and call option agreement. So a put and call option agreement is different as- If he, you can stop there, Melissa. So when you're
0: calling the option, the right to call basically sits with the purchaser. That right? Yes.
1: So if it's a call option agreement, the right sits with the purchaser to call and move forward or to back out. But a put and call means that the vendor can enforce you to purchase the property. So for me, put and call option agreements are not something I never utilize it. And I don't think it's something I would utilize because... When it comes to these development properties, as we know, there's a lot that could go wrong. So every your job is to find out if the property is worth what you're paying for, and it works. Otherwise, if you're doing 50 due diligences a year, <laughs> you're paying a lot of deposits. Yeah. You know?
0: Yes, and it's important for viewers and listeners to understand that you know the option contracts also works because it's not also the time, but you're paying a premium or slightly premium for the property or a, or an option fees with the property because you can, right? Because there is enough profit margins in the deal for you to basically go out there. And so you're creating typically a win-win scenario at both ends, right? The purchaser is happy because they're getting a lot of time on hand uh, and they are not basically, you know, legally abiding to the liabilities. So they're legally abiding to the contract, but they're not legally abiding to the liabilities they can pull out if the deal doesn't work, right? It's it's technically a really long due diligence clause, you know, if you think about it, right? that gives them the right to basically exit the property at any given point in time and from a from a seller's perspective it's, it gives them an opportunity to seek that higher price it also gives them an opportunity to basically stay in the house while having a you know rock solid agreement in place that they know that this settlement is going to happen in 2 years and so they can go out and find another dream home or if they're downsizing they can basically build something somewhere else on the site so you know it's a typical win-win scenario that you're basically you know doing with Um, Yes,
1: and what it also does, it gives the vendor clarity because most of the times they do not know what can be done on the properties. So it gives them that clarity that you can find, you are going to use your own money and time to find out if their property can be developed or not. If there's particular easements, if there's, um, it could be heritage listed, it could have some Aboriginal artifacts, it could have some, there's a lot of things that come into play so it gives them that carry as well. So you're doing, if the deal doesn't go ahead, then they still know why it doesn't go ahead or what. they get some carry that they apparently yeah. didn't have. So it, it yeah. works. It helps all parties involved because most people have got to understand this, these are normal properties, sort a property you're going to live in. You're really buying a business. So you need to find out if it works, if it's profitable and it is what you think it is. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think from an owner's perspective, it's also important as a seller that, you know, if this person say doesn't go ahead, you know, they are spending their hard earned money on this property, right? In seeking out a, you know, development application or development approval or building approval, whatever that means, right? Which means that if they walk away, I take over and I still get a free development application. For example, I, I get all of these artifacts that these people have basically you know generated spending money on the features survey and the arborst reports and the cultural heritage reports and all of these things they're not cheap right you know each report can cost somewhere between three thousand to even fifteen to twenty thousand dollars right and so you know from an owner's perspective they get that sense of okay, I'm getting something out of the deal on top of the price that I'm getting for the property as well.
1: Yes, yes. So that you, you just mentioned something beautiful, so that plays well on their side. So most owners would understand that if things do go wrong somehow, they end up with a property that's worth a lot more. Yes, a lot more. So they end up their asset value goes up a lot more from your money and your time. So for them, the losses are minimal, but the main thing we want to use this documentation for is the time to find out if the property is what we think it is. Yeah, Especially when you're dealing with subdivisions, when you deal with bigger subdivisions, and there's too much that goes into play. There's too much that can go wrong. You know?
0: Yeah. And so what are the, some of the key things Melissa, that we would need to include or you would include in an option contract, be it the timelines or the assignments and the nominations, et cetera. So what are the, you know, let's talk about, you know, three to four key things that you would always include in an option contract?
1: Okay, so first thing we always have to have a nominee close. Always, because we need to be able to pass this property on to a different entity if we have to. So even if we're not planning to sell the property once we've got a deed that we always put a nominee clause because we might have to exchange under a different entity. So that's number one. No clause always has to be there. And if so, if they're bigger subdivisions or so on, we do like more time. We'd like it in that minimum 18 months, 15 months if it's a mid-sized subdivision, but 18 months, two, three years that you know, we need that much time to limp. And the smaller duplexes and so on, you'd want to have them at, but that one nine, 12 months or more 12 months or about more so the, those are the main key things you'd want to have in the co-option agreement and also you'd lack access to the property to get your do due diligence so that's one thing you cannot leave out there because if you leave that out there sometimes the vendor is it can be difficult to deal with you know so you need to make sure that's the binding into the contract and the call call-option fee which is in which will be negotiated depending on the on the property, depending what needs to go into the due diligence, how big the property is, and depending what the vendors want as well. So those are some of the main things you'd like to have on, on the course. The rest, is the call option fee, the
0: premium that is called out separately on top of the valuation of the property. So the call option
1: fee can either be put towards deposit or can be can be external from the purchase price. But we usually put it into the purchase price. So we put it into the deposit. So once we put the caution option fee, once the deposit is going to be paid, we just subtract the call option fee out of that. Sure. Okay. So the, the option fee is basically only gets
0: paid when the option is called upon. No, no. The option fee gets paid when you're signing the call option. Signing. Okay. Yeah. So s- usually that small amount, it's not a massive amount.
1: Th- yes. Not a massive amount. Like, you know, we, we, we work on smaller properties just at a dollar. Only because the vendors understand that we're going to be spending a lot of money on the due yeah. damages and so on. So the co-option fee is usually a dollar because once you start putting a price on it, you start getting in a negotiating battle over a yes. co-option fee. Because if you usually say we want to pay a $5,000 dollars co fee, they're going to ask for a $50,000 co-option fee. Yes. So now you end up just wasting time over something trivial. Yeah.
0: And one of the most important things that I ask or that goes through my head all the time is what is the benefit of using an expert call option person or a negotiator, you know, when a person can do it themselves, right? So there is a DIY model where a person can go out there and do the course and and become and, and and find the call options. And you see a lot of cowboys out there who are trying to do this, right? Right now at this stage. How does that differentiate from an expert call option expert? you know, in relation to the negotiations and handling the whole
1: transaction? All it is that you're buying time and experience. Like you can do it, but it's at an expense of a lot of mistakes and a lot of money. So you're better off hiring someone because the money you're going to spend on them is not even of the money you're going to spend and the time you're going to spend trying to get to the point where you can get this, this kind of properties with ease. You know, so there's, there's a lot of work. It sounds easy in, in theory, but there's a lot of work and a lot of play when you're dealing with it, so you best off getting someone who knows what they're doing, who's made the mistakes, so yeah. you're protected and the vendor's protected as well. Because if the vendor's not benefiting, you're not going to benefit. Because soon enough, there's going to be problems. You want to make sure all parties involved are happy. If Definitely, they, yeah. If they're not happy, then there's problems that are going to
0: happen. And look, ultimately, it takes a lot of experience to be better in these sort of negotiations, right? A lot of people think that. This is like a, a normal real estate deal where, you know, you just walk into the door and the, and the seller would, you know, give you a hug, and a hug and a kiss and, you know, get you sit on the table and offer you some coffee <laughs> and sign the contract and off you go, right? Yes. And so share some experiences in relation to, you know, what goes into the negotiations of, you know, some of these contracts.
1: Okay. So most of this properties is a little market, the off market. That's the other thing you get realized So you're dealing with people who are just living their lives, who are not, thinking about selling your property, right? Emotionally attached. Yeah. So now you're approaching these people and most people don't like their areas being developed. Sorry. Yeah. That also throws a spider in the work. And so the, these processes take time sometimes, well, especially with this bigger subdivision, bigger properties. You could be in negotiations for eight months. I've been in negotiation for 12 months over a property. And this is talking to people back and forwards every week for that yeah. long. And so many things changing. You're battling over this. So the major thing you're going to have to deal with is comfort. They have to be comfortable. They have to trust that you're not going to, you're going to abide by what you say you're going to do and you're going to do what you're going to do. And vice versa on your side as well. So in the, 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 I've had some very, I've had some difficult, uh, difficult people. So I'll, let me bring up this subdivision that we've done in Dubai. So it's a, Great property, very profitable. But in the contract, we forgot one thing. We forgot to put a clause in for access for get soil tests and so on. So so this is in the early days. So this is the mistakes we're talking about. (laughs) So we didn't have that clause in there, but these people were great. So they were great. They were a lovely couple. So we thought, it's all in my head. I thought it shouldn't be a problem (laughs) until it was a problem. So now what we start trying to get Consultants to go in there. Now they're worried about the garden. They think we're gonna to topple the garden over, and their solicitors tell them, "Don't let them in because they're gonna start digging." So, in, and they're not familiar with the process, so they think we're getting put on the ground to start knocking the house down. It's definitely you know this, you know. So it, it, those things get very difficult. So you're going back and forth with people negotiating for months. Now you're gonna pay extra option fee. Now you're gonna do this. So. It, these are the things that happen when you don't cover all bases at the start. So, yeah, most, most of the problems you deal with is people get halfway in and they ch- start changing their minds. Yeah, so, more yeah, and, and another thing, before people got to sign contracts, they usually what? Make calls to real estate agents and so on. On um, by the seller's property, do you think this pass right? They'll say double. They'll they'll call you and say, but the agent said I could get a double the the price. So this is the one thing you're going to deal with, regardless. So you, this is one thing you you you're going to have to be ready to deal with. And sometimes you you just have to be straightforward and and, and tough. You, you you can't be trying to please vendors on on everything and on all terms. Because some vendors will push, as they'll, they'll push as much as they can. So you, you have to stand your ground. Whatever, what you say, at the first, the numbers you say, you have to stick with them. So you have to be very confident to stick to your guns, stick to what you say, do not waver. Don't be scared of losing a deal. Do not ever be afraid, do not, do not ever be married to a deal. Do not ever think that you need a deal. Even if you do need it, do not think that you need a deal. Because that's all going to come out, they're going to smell the desperacy and they, 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 they're going to milk you. just cause you want the deal so bad, you're going to, you're going to accept terms that you shouldn't, and it's going to backfire and it's going to hurt both you and the vendor and it's just all going to be a waste of time. You're going to have bad reputation in the area. So these things, yeah, these things happen. That's why you probably should get an expert because you will go through this. Thank you for sharing that. I think this was
0: great. What does a typical day for you look like? You know, when you talk about, you know, option contracts, you know, how many, you know, letters are you basically sending out? How many door knocks are you doing? How many the feasibilities are, you know, are we talking
1: about? Okay. So at the moment, well, I stopped doing the door knocks a long time ago, a couple of years ago at least. But yeah, I used to do donuts and take a lot of your time. So when we send letters, roughly, we send a lot of letters. So we talk about 40,000 letters a year. Yes. Wow. So we send a lot of letters and that helps grow the database. So we have a lot of contacts, direct contact with vendors all over New South Wales and ACT and some. This is all a manual process or this is through land checker? So, so this is manual. So we, we just dash to find the properties and then we'll compile the addresses and I'll, I'll send the letters manually. So I, these letters would have to be folded, put into the envelope, business card in there. So all this has to, was getting done manually, but now we're not getting done manually have a company that sends the letters out for us. So we send, a company sends the letters, we've got a company that collects the phone calls and then we do the feasibilities and send offers out. So most of my days is feasibilities, a lot of feasibilities. And a lot of phone calls, phone calls from the morning until twelve at night. Sometimes, you know this this doesn't stop. A lot of people work nine to five, so you have to get you, you can get a hold of them after work. So you you have to be you have to love the phone. You have to be happy to talk to people. Otherwise, you won't be able to do this for much longer. Like on you know, most days, we I take over one hundred fifty calls a day, every day. Wow! And the the point where we're doing a lot more than that but yeah that's how my day usually way i wake up early get the feasibility done we send offers if offers have to be sent and then we get the negotiations done and letters we send once every six months unless maybe yeah unless we're we're sending letters for clients who we're actively looking for properties for under the consultancy agreements so we will send those every week or so on but our our letters for our database to grow our database we send them every six months yeah
0: Sure. And there are two databases that we are talking about, right? There is a database for you purchasing the property. So these are the windows, but also a database for you to sell these properties to. And we're talking about, you know, purchasers and the developers that who would basically be interested in. So it's a massive networking gig that you're running parallel at the same time. So you need to love the phone, but you need to love networking as well at the
1: same time. Yes. Yes. So it's, 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 it's mostly just dealing with humans, talking to a lot of humans. Like our, our database of of developers and buyers is huge too. We talk to a lot of financial planners. We talk to also brokers and so on. So they usually bring their clients to us and so on. We help them with consulting the agreements. We sell properties through them. The, data, the database is our bread and butter now sees everything and it took a long time to build it's much harder working without the database but once you have it and you're used to talking to these people every week it really makes everything slow so the database feeds everything 100 percent. and how important is the
0: feasibility you've talked about feasibility a few times now how important is the feasibility in all of this and maybe you can share a small project that you know you acquired and you know
1: talk that through in the terms of feasibilities and the selling yeah so feasibility is probably the most important thing there is i'd say there's nothing more important than the feasibility because if listen if the numbers don't stick up you're in a mess and you'd want to you want to make sure your numbers have a good buffer you want to make sure they're more than great so i've taken some properties that were they look great but not too great and sometimes when things go bad they it, it affects the numbers badly okay. so you want to make sure that your numbers are accurate you get it from the accurate source so you, you can't use the same numbers for each and every area so let's say double would have different different consulting fees from the council that have different civil fees and there might be additional fees on himself services and so on so in chasing tracing you no know, to get these numbers and getting accurate numbers and making sure they have a buffer and they work. So you try to force the numbers to work. As I said before, yeah. don't get married to an idea, don't get married to a property. Right? Yeah. Because Either it works or it doesn't work. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And don't and, and, and just make sure it works. If it doesn't work, live it. it. Sometimes there's problems that look great and you think, Man, if it was an extra 50000 it would work, you know. But those term problems we leave because we don't want to find out if it works or not. We just want to know it. 100%.
0: And so let's talk about a particular project, you know. Let's go so that, you know, you can give us a bit of a snapshot about... You know, how long did the negotiation take? How did you acquire? How did, you know, what were the numbers that you were selling these at? And and how did the,
1: the nomination work? Perfect. So I'll start off this. The property we done up in in Gowen for a small one. So this is a, this was a duplex. I've been, it's in Canberra, Gowen. This is in the, in the South. It's a upmarket place, but more in the middle, very beautiful area. So I was in negotiations. This was a single mother, great lady worked in the hospital was in negotiations with her for a long time for over a year so when I first got in contact with her she didn't want to sell but she was open to the idea so I gave her yeah. an offer she liked the price but she quite wasn't ready to sell and this happens a lot so most people they'll call you out of nowhere so you want you won't have talked to them for a year and they'll call you out of nowhere and they'll sell we <laughs> ready so that's the great thing of having the database they'll call you and they'll let you know they're ready so i so it's just called yes. after a year or so. And then we, and the, we agree, agreed on the same price when the market went up. So it gave that bit of room to yeah. give a, even a better offer. So it gave a better offer. This was a beautiful property it was, was going to sell quick. So it was only under 20. I believe it was a 28-day call option agreement. What price point? This property was at 1.6, I believe. And pretty, yeah. I, think, I, believe, well, I think the number is probably around 21 percent profit investment but which is in that area is the very upmarket properties so your end product is very expensive and they sell quick it's right next to the the main canberra hospital so a lot of doctors and so on live in that area and they see the best place of that area so i was i was quick to secure that one. Now only happened pretty quick as I had multiple people who were interested. So I had a bit of a bid war going on with multiple developers in the city. And one of them ended up taking it. I think that one we made a 70, it was a $70,000 option fee. So we just put $70,000 to top of the price. And within 28 days, that was gone. And I believe the DA has been launched now, and the property will be getting built soon. So that was one of the smaller duplexes we do in Cambridge. And What sort of margins are we talking about? Well, this one you know, was 20%. 21%, 22%. Yeah. So, But what I'm trying to say with this lower problem is they're quick. So they're quick. <laughs> they're quick to secure. There's no much. There's due diligence involved, but there's no much involved compared to the bigger ones. So this was very quick. From the point she she contacted me, she's ready to sell within yeah, about two months. Everything was finished, so it was all finished. It was only a twenty-eight-day call option agreement, but the settlement period was a bit longer. I believe was a little bit longer settlement period. Sure, yeah. So when what we do is the buyer comes, they exercise the call option agreement, they pay the deposit for the property, they pay our option and fee, and now they take over the contract. So and you nominate the contract out to them. Yes, yes. So easy. So this is the small ones. They're very quick. But then let's talk to a, about a bigger one. Sorry. So let's talk about the bigger subdivisions. Now, this is where things are taking time. there is a little bit of homework and a little money starts getting spent. Okay, so there's one in double, 28. Ah, uh, no, Road right, in double. So it's got a DA, and now to be approved. Beautiful property. Absolutely absolutely amazing deal. And beautiful owners as well. So when we got this property, when I got this property initially, I believe it was twenty twenty-one or maybe early twenty twenty-two under a two-year co-option agreement. And these properties right next to a development that was getting done. So the services were right there. It was in a great area. And the market price was a bit lowish at the time, it wasn't too high. So we say the negotiations took, I'd say, eight months or so, a lot of back and forth. A lot of back and forth with this big properties as because we also have to be sure of the numbers. And I'd like at least 40% profit margins on these big ones. Because there's a lot of errors that can happen. So at least 40%. So we secured that under 24-month of option agreement. And as soon as it's secured, it starts spending a lot of money. With the bigger subdivisions, the, like the one in Dabo. So there's a, a beautiful property in Dublin that was secured. This property is right next to a, another subdivision, a big, much bigger subdivision. That's been getting it done stage by stage for the last five years or so. So the negotiations took about eight months on this property, a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth until we got to a great agreement. And I it was under a 24-month co-option agreement. So once you secure this type of bigger properties, now the money spending comes in. So where to get consultants? We used to premise. Company called Previous and Double. These people are absolutely beautiful. So we've got a good contact name, Eddie Gold. Fernand ever needs help over there. He's your guy. So we we got all the all the reports done and so on, which cost a lot of money. There, It took me at least twenty thousand just for the reports, just to see if it works. And it was even better than we thought. Wow! And it was how even- many lots are we talking about? We initially worked at a 41 lot, but we ended up at forty at 47, so we we're, were at 41 lots. And what we purchased with a property, we were working at a sale price of $260,000 a lot, which are 850 square meter lots, and they ended up at 300000 So So the margins kept jumping. Yeah, you know, and, and the price went up, and the number of lots went up as well. Yeah, and guess what? The construction fees that we put on were very high. I made sure they were very high. So, so we so they ended up dropping as well. So the profit margins ended up at sixty percent. Yeah. So he ended up. It was a it just a, it was such a beautiful, beautiful deal. So once we had all that package together, then we start. We approached the buyers, and so this one was a whole wall. So there was buyers coming left, right, and center, left, right, and center. And I ended up selling, is selling it to a partner of mine, which is a friend. So he got a good price on it. So we made about $150,000 fee on that one. And the, yeah. it was such a beautiful property. Uh, all parties involved were very happy. And they end up getting more more money than they thought they would get on the deal. So it's a very, very beautiful deal. That one was one of the best. But just to show, from start to finish on that one, from starting negotiations to getting yeah. paid, we're talking about, about a year. Wow! And what were some of the key takeaways
0: in that negotiation that you know that you will never repeat, or you know some of the learnings
1: that came out of that negotiation? Okay, so this is the property where we didn't put a close to get access. This it's is the one. So that's number one. <laughs> so we, we, we learned that everything has to be in paper at the bo- at, at first. So there's definitely we leave anything to chance. We can't leave anything to think that oh, we will be able to work it out later on. So that's one thing I learned. And the other thing I learned is that you need to do as much homework as you can. As much as you can. Because we went in debt with very in big depth homework on this property. There's a lot we had to get done. We had to get a lot of people, a lot of specialists. It, it, we it, we, have, we took all the resources we had yeah. and we found out how even better it is. So that's how we, we were able to get a higher price of the property because otherwise we would have got less because what we thought we had mm-hmm. was actually better than what we thought we had. Yeah. So, we, yeah, so we we ended up finding out how good it is and we got even more money than anticipated. So the main takeaway from it is to, you cannot leave any stones and cannot You cannot leave room for errors and for things to go wrong because they're most likely will if you leave that room.
0: And so if I take our conversation you know, to the climax and the close, you're running a successful business, you know, you're growing your business, you know, the business has been growing, you know, quite number of folds now. How does Melissa create wealth for himself? You know, are you doing developments on the side or are you investing back into the business right now? And that's where the focus is. And you'll talk about the property investment later. Where does your risk appetite sit?
1: Okay. So at the moment, we're growing the business. We love to grow Boom, Australia-wide. So we're working mostly as a consultancy. So a lot of people would need properties to develop, would need to help structuring deals and so on, oh, and finding these properties. A lot of these people come to us. So that's what we do mainly. So we help people secure properties that can be developed. And that's what we keep putting the money into that to grow it and growing it. But we also do take some profits on the side to do our own deals in the future. So what we're in we by the end of this year, what we will be doing is getting up a more or both my own projects that I'll be using some of the files here to get the DAs done and so on. And And my main aim for the next five years is get these properties, get them DA approved and get the investors on board and then develop them ourselves. So that's my main aim is bringing some parties together to get these developments done. Amazing. Yes, so that's my main aim for the the
0: next five years. And really pleasant to see you grow my friend. For the viewers and listeners, Where can they find you? So, you know, give a quick shout out to your Facebook page, your website, you know, your phone number so that people can actually reach out to you.
1: Yes. So you can go Google search Mossworth Property. You can go on on Instagram Mossworth Property or just give us a call at 0402-048022. Or you can always email sales at com or info at au. So I was happy to help anyone who needs properties in New South Wales to develop, duplexes, subdivisions in ACT. We're happy to help. Perfect. And
0: look, I mean, if you can't, if you didn't get the names, the links would be shared in the content as well. Or you can reach out to my profile or, or some of my team and they'll be happy, happy to basically redirect you and back to Melissa. Thank you, for M- Melissa, for joining us today. This was amazing. This was awesome. Thank you for sharing so much love and so much information in relation to option contracts. It is a world of ambiguity out there. And of course, you know, there is so much stuff that we haven't talked about. So I'm sure that, you know, we'll bring you out again and talk into a lot more detail, going into a lot more detail in relation to due diligence and some of the milestones and some of the like, the key triggers that are there in the, in the feasibilities that, you know, you need to be careful of and you're spending money on these properties as well.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And also I'd like to say thank you for having me here. And I love what you're doing. I love watching you grow as well. So it's very beautiful to be part of your journey as well. 100%. It's a big IPG family. Thank you
0: for the listeners. Stay kind. Be kind. Keep smiling. Keep investing. This is Marcel checking out. Adios. Bye.